Hi, and welcome to Tax Planning Pointers with Baker Newman Noise. I'm Jean McDevitt Bullens, and I'm here with my colleague, Jim Garino. Say hi, Jim. Hi, Jean. 2020 has been a year of immense and unpredictable change for everyone. The tax landscape has not been immune. This podcast is one in a three-part series from the BNN Private Client Services Practice to discuss federal estate planning concerns and opportunities in 2020 and beyond. So let's dive in. In this episode, Jim and I will be getting a bit more technical and talking about some of the specific tax planning techniques you may want to explore and what they mean. I think, Jim, we alluded a little bit in the last session to some of the reasons why now in particular may be a good time. We had talked a bit about valuation being a bit low, at least perhaps with respect to certain business types or certain assets. We've seen the market sort of rebound and do its thing up and down. So perhaps publicly traded securities in most industries aren't hot for giving away right now from a valuation perspective. Mm-hmm. But certainly, potentially certain real estate or certain businesses in certain industries may be um, suffering a bit on the valuation standpoint and may be good targets, if you will, for for gifting strategies. Anything else there that you can think of related to valuation that we should really be talking about with clients in terms of figuring out which assets might make sense to be gifting right now? Yeah, I I, I think um, the general rule of thumb when it comes to investing is buy low, sell high. Right? That's that's what everyone wants to do. They want to get something really, really cheap, hold on to it for a while, and then sell it for as much as possible. And, you know, Gene, for the, for the reasons that you just stated and what we've kind of uh, alluded to in the past, because of all the turbulence that we've undergone through 2020 thus far, for various reasons, historic values for certain assets may be a little bit under the weather right now and and perhaps not necessarily in the stock market, the traditional uh, marketable securities that we would be considering, but really the closely held businesses or certain real estate in various parts of the country. It might be an ideal time where Again, those values, for whatever reason, may be going through a current state of flux, and they may have depressed fair market values associated with them. And again, you know, it goes back to the point that you said earlier, Gene. If you're mentally and emotionally ready to part with these assets, or at least part with a portion of these assets, if it's a closely held business... This might be an ideal time to take advantage of the estate tax exemptions that that are out there, you know, to the extent that we're talking about valuations that are fairly significant. Now, before doing so, you still have to go through this mental accounting to make sure that it makes sense financially 
for you to transfer these assets because, as you said at one point, Gene, uh, you're giving up control. And once these assets transfer over to a third party, you no longer control, especially, let's say, the income stream. So I think um, that would be a very, very key consideration when it comes to deciding which assets you're going to part with. Yeah, absolutely. The other factor that we're looking at with respect to why this is such a, a good time to potentially be giving something away is that the interest rates right now are historically mm-hmm. low. Mm-hmm. And that can mean poor things on the on one hand, but it can also mean really good opportunities on the other, you know, not necessarily in the directly in the estate planning context, but to borrow funds right now is mm-hmm. incredibly, incredibly cheap, practically mm-hmm. free money out there. Right. But if we apply that to family situations, certainly there are opportunities to take advantage of those low interest rates as well. Uh, one of the things that comes to mind is borrowing money, be it mm-hmm. for a mortgage or the purchase of a business interest or mm-hmm. simply a straightforward promissory note with an interest rate of, well, we'll round to 1%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty good way to shift some assets from um, perhaps an elder generation to a younger generation. There are also a number of techniques that we're going to get into a little bit later that take advantage of those interest rates as as well. They basically allow the planning opportunity to sort of jump off the charts because the interest rates are are so low and and that combined with the valuation essentially makes it very easy to to beat the hurdle rate as we call it for for making a a, a gifting transaction well worth the effort. Anything else Jim on the interest rate piece that I'm kind of leaving out that you'd like to add in? No, I, I think you nailed it, Gene. And and especially that, that 1% interest rate that, that that you referenced, that's with regard to long term. So essentially, if you're taking on a note that's going, I guess, just to round and make the numbers work, anything that's going to be longer than nine or 10 years. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, your historical uh, 15 and 30 year mortgages that people think of as long-term notes. But with regard to uh, an intrafamily loan or the purchase of a related party asset, you're talking about essentially creating an estate freeze here because you're transfer, you're, you're, you're selling this asset with a note that is carrying a rate of 1% for maybe the next 20 or 25 years. It's, it's, it's like stealing, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's incredible to think that we would have that much leverage power to be able to transfer assets. And we're talking related parties here, right? We're not talking about strangers. These are family members that are getting the deal of a lifetime Mm -hmm. in buying this asset from one of their family members at the ridiculously low price of a 1% interest rate. Yep. And you're locking it in, right? I mean, you know, interest rates will go up. So we don't know when, but they will. (laughs) And so, boy, imagine being able to lock in a 1% interest rate on a 10 or 15 or 20 year note. That's, that's pretty amazing opportunity right there. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, with with regard to valuations, I mean, you know, looking at the opportunity, this is what kind of gets me excited, Gene. When I think about working with clients that are contemplating these kinds of asset transfers and and wealth succession plans that are moving downstream they're doing they're doing it at a time where they've got two factors going in their favor one obviously we just beat to death right we talked about the interest rate but then if you couple that with the depressed values of certain assets that are out there and we haven't even talked about the applicable IRS-approved discounts Mm -hmm. that are permitted, whether it's for lack of control or lack of marketability. So really, when you think about it, Gene, that's, that's almost a third factor that goes in, that comes into play here when we're talking about transferring, let's say, a business interest. We've got low interest rates, the business itself might be depressed. And now all of a sudden, you've got a valuation from an appraiser who says, hey, you know, I can shave some more value off of this by applying a couple of IRS-approved discounts. It's, it's an absolute home run. And so, you know, back to your point, Gene, when you said, well, why is right now such a special time? It's triple witching season, right? You've got all three factors working in your favor. Why wouldn't you want to take advantage of it? But let me tell you, if you think that you're going to run out and and go see your local CPA, your local estate planning attorney, and your local appraiser on December 30th and say, hey, I'd like to order up one of these asset transfers uh, notes that I've been hearing and reading about and think that you're going to get it done in 24 hours, you're sadly mistaken. It just isn't going to happen. And that's where, you know, that's the whole point of this communication that we're, we're looking to give you a heads up. This is the time you need to be talking and thinking about it, not you know, late November or or sometime December. Right, right now is the time we've got to start having those kinds of conversations. Yeah, absolutely. I every time I've spoken to a client in the last few weeks about any of these sorts of planning things, it's like, well, the next thing you need to do after we get off the phone is <laughs> <laughs> you need to call this person and and retain yeah. them to do the appraisal and. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think we'll get into some of those those sort of the specific action steps and the order in which you want to take them in our third series. But mm-hmm. I think that's a great segue into, uh, you know, the next step, which is how do I want to make this transfer? I've decided that, yes, I do want to do something. I do want to make a gift to whomever, child, grandchild, whomever it might be. There's a lot of different ways that you can structure gifts, right? You can mm. you can do an outright transfer, super easy. I'm going to gift cash, publicly traded securities, a piece of real mm-hmm. estate. I'm just going to sign it over to so and so, and and that has its own complexities, of course, around valuation and potentially deeds or or whatever the case might be in terms of getting title transferred to someone. But mm. if we want to maybe take it even a a step further, there are some particularly more sophisticated planning Mm -hmm. techniques that I thought we might touch on today. I certainly don't want to spend too much time, but there are a couple that I think are particularly good in this environment. The GRAT, 
the grantor retained annuity trust is mm-hmm. is one that I think really hits both the interest rate and the valuation right. opportunities that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe just go over that high level, the GRAT strategy? Yeah, sure, Jean. And uh, in, in, in for our audience, I guess the easiest way to um, communicate what a GRAT is all about, it involves a transfer of an asset that eventually is going to get repaid to you. And what ends up happening is, you know, we, Gene and I have been referring to the current interest rate, for, in this case, for a long-term note, which is down around 1%. So, so the way a grant works is that you, you transfer an asset that, in theory, is going to significantly appreciate. And we call the differentiator here the hurdle rate. And the hurdle rate is the interest rate that you, as the person who's given this asset away, is going to be repaid. And so right now, that hurdle rate is 1%. So you give the asset away, and over time, the asset is paid back to you at the hurdle rate, 1%. So what's the bet? The bet is that in having transferred that asset, it is going to appreciate in value at something greater than the hurdle rate. So if you have an asset that is projected to appreciate, let's just say 5%, okay? Well, that asset that you transferred is going to come back to you with a 1% interest rate. And the vehicle that held that asset is going to recoup the difference in the interest rate of 4%. So in effect, what ends up happening is you transfer an asset out, it comes back to you with a 1% return of income, but while it was in that vehicle and it earned 5%, that extra 4% is permanently transferred. So I guess the best way to explain this the quick and dirty is if you have an asset that is subject to a significant appreciation and you're dealing with a very low hurdle rate as we are right now, that is a prime asset to transfer to a grad because all of that future appreciation is pulled out of your estate permanently. And, and, and this could not be a better time in history to to take that bet, in effect. That's what you're doing. You're betting that the future appreciation is going to be higher than the hurdle rate. And it ain't too hard <laughs> to get to get above that 1% hurdle rate <laughs> right now, anyway. I love the GRAT strategy. I mean, really, apart from the setup costs of it, which are mm-hmm. typically pretty straightforward for a good estate planning attorney. The most you can lose is the cost that you spend to set up the trust. That's right. You know, it's, it's hard to beat that. It's, it's hard to beat that. So obviously, you know, market considerations and whatnot and all of those potential concerns. But at the end of the day, all, even if it completely failed, all you'd be out is the cost to set up the trust. And it could very easily, with a 1% hurdle rate, far exceed that in terms of gifting value at a zero cost to your estate mm-hmm. tax exemption. Absolutely. The 
the other the other strategy Jim, that I really wanted to cover today are uh, spousal limited access trusts, uh, SLATs. And the reason I really wanted to cover this type of structure is because uh, it's sort of one of those that allows you to give it, but also kind of keep it. (laughs) And that sort of gets back to that word I used in our earlier session, Mm. which is control. Now, you can't keep control of it. (laughs) We'll go over the structure of the SLAT in brief here, but basically, you need a married couple. And one spouse sets up the trust and releases all right and title to those assets, cannot take any distributions from those assets or take those assets back in an outright distribution. But their spouse can have a distribution right to those assets, a distribution right to income or principal and or principal. Mm -hmm. There are situations where this might be a really good solution. You've got a completed gift. You've used up that portion of your estate gift tax exemption. It's out of your estate. Your spouse can still get access to the funds. So at least as a unit, you are, we shall say, financially in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. But the end game is to you know, leave those assets in trust and benefit future generations. So the end game is to leave it in trust. The end game is not to take it out you know, right away mm-hmm. or at all. But it's there as sort of a emergency type situation. Jim, what are your thoughts on the slot? Oh, I, I love it, Jane, because it, it is it is the best of all worlds. You know, use that word control. And I'd say the only caveat here is if you're contemplating divorce, right? Because, I mean, that's the end of the ballgame, right? Because as long as you're married, if I'm transfer, think of it this way, right? If, if I'm able to utilize $11.5 million of my exemption and not really give up control, I mean, yes, I have to give up control for myself. But if those assets are in a trust that is for the benefit of my wife, to a certain degree, I mean, I still have access to those assets, except it's through her. And that's why I say a divorce kind of kills that deal. But assuming that we're, you know, happily married and there's no contemplation of divorce, I've done two things. I've utilized my exemption. I've transferred these assets permanently out of my estate, never to be taxed for estate tax purposes. But yet, in my family, we still have access to the income that's being generated from those assets. So I just think it's such a wonderful, wonderful planning strategy, Gene. And and again, you know, it, it's not a one size fits all. It's not going to be the 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 one estate planning tool that every married couple is going to want to use. But I think it's a very intriguing strategy for folks to at least talk about and to think about. And if it's the right fit, why not? Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. We saw these a, a lot in, back in 2012, which was our earlier experience with the, uh, oh no, our exemption is going away crisis. <laughs> and lots of folks just funded these with fairly you know, straightforward assets and take advantage of the use of that exemption. And you've gained a lot. You've gained a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the, the key to what you've gained in that strategy. And, and the cost is is very minimal. So yeah. yeah, I think that's certainly, as you say, it has to be the right situation. That is the theme to this whole 
podcast series is the situation has to fit with you with the planning. So, um, yeah, you know what I think folks will find if they, they actually explore this whole area, it's almost like going to the restaurant and reading off a menu right now, because there's just, there's a lot of dishes that are out there that you can select that you want to eat for supper. And I think if you go to the right practitioner and you're given good guidance, what you're going to find is that you've, you've got this wonderful menu to select from, whether it's a slat, whether it's a grat, whether it's uh, an installment sale, whether it's a uh, charitable lead annuity trust, whether it involves a private annuity, whether it involves split dollar life insurance, there's a tremendous amount of strategies that are out there that fit perfectly in this climate right now in terms of low interest rates. And I think it's up to the audience to determine whether or not this estate planning opportunity is right for them. And if it is, I think it really requires them to get together with their professional advisors, both their CPA, their tax advisor, as well as their estate planning attorney, and go through the alternatives and see exactly what you're hungry for, right? What do you feel like eating tonight? And that's really what you want to do is be given the opportunity to choose what fits right for you and your family. And then once you've decided, make sure that there's plenty of time to pull the trigger between now and year end. And I, I, I think if we were going to leave a closing note to our audience, that would that would be the one thing I'd want to uh, make sure that they're uh, aware of and, and comfortable with in terms of making a decision. That's a, that's a great teaser, Jim, for our, our third series. We'll be talking about specifics of what to do next if you've already made that decision for yourself that this is what you want to do. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Well, Jim, thank you for joining me and thank you for such a great discussion. These issues and planning tips are so critical to so many of our clients and others during this challenging year. You're right, Jean, and and you're very welcome. Thank you for chatting with me as well. Of course. And finally, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. I hope you found this information helpful and are walking away feeling a bit more informed. Again, this podcast is part of a three-part series on state tax planning in 2020. Check out our other episodes, which are available at bnncpa.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time. Tax Planning Pointers is brought to you by Baker Newman Noyes and the BNN Private Client Services Practice. Your hosts were Jean McDevitt-Bullins and Jim Guarino. The information contained in this episode of Tax Planning Pointers is based on data available as of the date of its release. BNN is under no obligation to update this information as changes occur. BNN podcasts, events, and publications are intended to provide general information to our clients and friends. It does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice, nor is it intended to convey a thorough treatment of the subject matter. The information in this podcast may or may not apply to your individual situation. Consult a tax professional for help applying these concepts to your personal circumstances. Please contact Baker Newman Noyes for additional assistance at info at bnncpa.com. More information can be found online at bnncpa.com.